Welcome. This is Jamie. And this is Donna. And this is episode number six of the Circus 71 podcast for the week of May 18th, 2020. Coming up on today's show, attractions that we miss at Walt Disney World, our favorite Epcot dining locations, and our picks for overrated attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom. This is the Circa 71 podcast. Special shout out to new listeners, John and Sarah. John and Sarah had the dubious task of calculating total lost theme park revenue and reporting it to Disney CEO Bob Chapek. When Chapek heard the numbers, he channeled the Queen of Hearts and said, off with their heads. However, all was not lost for John. A few days later, he was rehired to lead the pre-parade as the Headless Horseman prior to the Boo to You parade at Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Unfortunately for Sarah, her new role is as a Bay Lake buoy to help guide the Magic Kingdom ferries to and from the Transportation and Ticket Center. Donna, to paraphrase Trader Sam, no matter how you slice and dice it, John and Sarah came out ahead. True story. Where do you come up with this stuff, James? I, I, it's the dark web, and that's where all the true rumors are. That's really where you got to get your information from. All right, two thumbs up for you. Thank you. All right, Donna. So to start off, we have some housekeeping notes in regards to the reopening of Disney Springs. You want to start off with that? Yeah, so this is actually pretty cool. There is a, quote, full phase one opening here in the state of Florida, effective um, Monday, May 18th, so uh, this week, where in restaurants and food establishments can increase their indoor capacity to 50%, of course, with appropriate uh, social distancing, outdoor seating encouraged. They talk about retail being at 50%. They talk about elective surgeries. They talk about barbershops and salons being open. Um, schools continue with distance learning. They talk about vacation rentals, sports venues, all sorts of stuff. But the one that we like, amusement parks may submit a reopening plan to the state. Pretty interesting, right? I agree. So we know a couple of things here. We know that on the 20th, so this coming Thursday, we know that Disney Springs will be partially reopening, but it's not all the establishments. Can you remind our listeners what is opening on Thursday, Jim? Uh, the 20th is actually Wednesday in 2020, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, fair math, never my strong suit. <laughs> Calendar reading. Um, so it'll be all third party um, operating participants, which is actually a decent amount of uh, Disney Springs are all third party, um, not actually owned and operated by Disney. Basically, they, they pay a, a lease uh, on the land or the building or, or wherever they're um, operating from um, to Disney, and they will open their doors on May 27th, uh, the following uh, Wednesday or Thursday, if you're Donna. Yeah, yeah. Three- <laughs> three Disney owned and operated stores and venues will reopen the world of Disney deluxe burger, um, which I believe may actually Donna just be mobile ordering. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. That um, is what I read. Yeah. Just yeah. That's what order. I thought. And the uh, marketplace um, co-op. Um, so some Disney owned and operated um, stores and restaurants will actually be opening starting on May 27th. So ironic to me that the Marketplace Co-op is on that list. I love walking through that location. For those who might not be familiar, they actually are almost like small mini stores within one bigger location. And those store locations can change. Not always. There's a couple of staples in there, but they can change. And I love walking through. Biggest problem that I see with this one, Jamie, is people like me, like I pick up stuff, Andrew, look at this, my husband, look at this, or wouldn't these be so cute and touch everything. And that's really being discouraged right now. So it's kind of an interesting choice to me for um, one of the, the places to be reopening. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, and with that, I think we should also quickly touch um, in this kind of housekeeping segment on some of the guidelines that are being issued, um, sort of a no before you go, uh, specifically to Disney Springs, which may also kind of give us a, a view into the future a little bit with um, park reopening. Um, so first thing, parking and entrances, they are limiting to self-park 
in the orange and lime garages at Disney Springs. Um, all the surface lots, um, you can only park in those two um, locations. Uh, appropriate face coverings, masks required for guests three years of age or older. So if they need a ticket, <laughs> they need a mask. Um, along with also your cast members, third-party operating um, employees, all required to wear um, different types of, uh, you know, face coverings. Temperature screenings, which we've seen um, implemented at Universal Orlando Resort um, this past week when they reopened at uh, CityWalk. And that was, in fact, on Thursday. <laughs> oh, that's what you were thinking. <laughs> um once, uh, once you arrive, you and your party will be required to undergo temperature screenings. If you display a temperature of 100.4 or higher, um, you will be directed to additional location for rescreening um, and assistance. And if you measure 100.4 or higher again, you will not be allowed um, entry. Um, physical, and actually I should also mention, nor will anybody in your party as well. Uh, physical distancing and capacity measures okay. um, limit the number of guests that are able to enter um, Disney Springs as well as within each, um, you know, brick and mortar uh, location. Uh, physical barriers will be in select places to uh, where it may be difficult to maintain physical distancing. Certainly cleanliness. Um, they, Disney is uh, implementing more disinfectant disinfection <laughs> procedures in high traffic areas, handrails, benches, uh, restrooms will be part of this um, procedure as well. Um, and something that I think uh, this last little note that should um, really be way more prevalent going forward are cashless uh, transactions. Um, Apple Pay has been available um, at Disney. Uh, Walt Disney World um, for several years now. Um, it's pretty much the same technology that's involved in using the, the magic bands, um, but they want you to use cashless and contactless as much um, as possible. Debit cards, credit cards, Disney gift cards, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's all part of the know before you go um, upcoming for the Disney Springs uh, reopening. Nothing here that we didn't expect to see. Uh, this is all pretty standard stuff that we talked about previously. I think it's interesting that before they've even opened these non-Disney owned and operated um, uh, company, I shouldn't even say that, restaurants, locations, things like that, this Wednesday that they've already announced for the following Wednesday some, some Disney ones um, opening. So I think that's kind of interesting. Nothing new here. Uh, this is really not earth-shattering news, just a little bit of an update for you. So that's our housekeeping for today. So for our first main segment this week, Don and I wanted to talk about Walt Disney World attractions that we miss, that are no longer um, with us. Now, we had some discussion off air in regards to how we would do this, how many attractions, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what we came up with was we were each going to give three, um, and then we will revisit this topic um, in the future. And Donna, we decided not in any particular order, or are, are yours ordered? Mine are not necessarily ordered, and they're very different. And I will also add that in said off-air conversation, you made sure to say, oh, and by the way, I'm going first. So without <laughs> further ado, go ahead, James. That is true. So mine are um, in no particular order. Um, so I'm just going to give the three that I want to talk about now. And I'll give one and then Donna, you can give your first and we'll go back and forth that way. Uh, my first one is, or I should say was, unfortunately, at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that was or is the great movie ride. I think... The Great Movie Ride um, was a really the thesis of attraction at Hollywood Studios. Um, so many animatronics pulling from so many classic films, everything from uh, Casablanca, Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, 
um, and, and just so many amazing iconic scenes. Um, and a lot of, uh, I even really liked the ending uh, where they just did a huge roll um, of different movie clips um, that was actually supposed to be an end scene to The Wizard of Oz. Um, but uh, Disney couldn't get the rights to it. Uh, they could only have so much uh, time dialogue wise in the attraction. Um, so that's how we ended up with that big uh, movie screen at the end, which I thought was really cool. A way to incorporate a lot of different movies um, at the end. Um, we lost the great movie ride in 2017, I believe, which was replaced by um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which I have not seen yet. I know Donna has. Um, so that would be my number one missed, uh, you know, with the theme of Hollywood studios transitioning from taking you behind the camera and behind the scenes for how films are made to the, you're going to live your own adventure and put you into the movies. I actually thought the great movie ride even epitomized that theme better, <laughs> um, than when it was even originally, uh, constructed as far as putting it into the movies. I agree. I loved that attraction. My son was really, really, really little when they announced that it would be closing. And we went um, on, I forget if it was the last day. It very well could have been, but it was, it was definitely toward the end of the run. We definitely, my husband and I went on the last day that back lot was open. And I'm not sure if that's going to be on, uh, on your list here. Good old Catastrophe Canyon. We definitely went the last day for that attraction, um, but I, I'm not positive. But in any case, loved that attraction. We took my kiddo when he was so super little. He had on the, the, little, the little baby ear canceling, excuse me, noise canceling earphones over his little ears. And he had a pacifier in his little mouth. And the cast member who, you know, they kind of used to play with people, toy with people on the ride, said, oh, all he needs is a blindfold and have all three covered. And I just, how <laughs> you laughed. Because we were in, you know, a seat that we had never been in before. We literally were right directly behind the cast member driving the, the ride vehicle, the actor cast member driving the vehicle. So it was the Muggsy that came in, of course, that busted on. Mm -hmm you know the how he looked and everything like that and it was just a really really cool uh, moment he loved it he didn't freak out I was so worried because he was so little um you know at that point in time what it, August so he was six eight months old <laughs> I was so worried he would be upset but that was so cool and I actually liked the version you didn't mention the the slight tweak they made when Turner Classic Movies really came in I liked the version prior to that a little bit better. But in general, yes, love it, love it, love it. Not to compare apples to apples, but it's so hard when it's the same show building, or at least the facade is the same, to not compare the two. Definitely miss Great Movie Red. No, I agree. So what's your number one, Donna? Or number one uh, that you're sharing? No, we'll go number one. That's, that's a fair assessment. And it's actually going to stay at Hollywood Studios. And it's going to be the Osborne Family Spectacle of Dancing Lights. I absolutely positively loved everything about that display i could have stood there jamie day after day or i guess i should say night after night for hours looking around walking around finding the gazillion hidden mickeys they had in the lights listening to the different songs enjoying the the snow um when they announced it was going to be the last season they of course you know disney gotta love disney they always look to make their their money <laughs> announced they were going to do dessert parties uh leading up to that closure and they were a pretty penny and of course you know they said oh you're going to get a, a gift so my husband and i of course you know talked about oh yeah we're going to do it signed up for the dessert party and then they announced they're going to do three nights three nights only the last three nights we're going to do a dinner party. And this was an even higher price tag. My husband and I said, you know what? We're doing it. The last night we're going, we're doing it. So we did the dessert party with my parents and some other friends down here one evening. And then the last night that it was slated to be open, we did the dinner party. And then won't you know, they extended it. <laughs> yeah, I um. I agree with, with this. Um, it, it's a huge loss. Um, you know, we should mention it was uh, torn down or the, the streets of America were torn down to build Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um, which opened up in you know, 2019. Um, but I we never really went a lot during the Christmas season. Um, so I wasn't a, um, you know, an annual. OK, we're going to see Osborne lights. We're going to see Osborne lights. So I only saw it once. 
um, you know, or over one vacation, I should say, one trip down. Um, but it was awesome, you know. It's the and as Donna mentioned, all the things that are hidden, you know, the the black cat, um, which was randomly put there. It, it was truly amazing. Videos don't do it justice. Um, I, I mean, I've seen people that videos of people crying because they knew it was their last time seeing it. Um, so it's it's definitely something that I remember and, and will take away that, you know, I got to see it. Um, it was awesome. Um, I, I would love to see it come back. I don't really know where they could put it. Um, I know there were some rumors about Disney Springs, but I, I don't necessarily think that's happening um, at this point with the uh, Christmas tree trail that they have there now. Um, but uh, Osborne, definitely a huge missed um, attraction and really added to the holiday season. And um, I think very underrated, and I'm sure we'll have a holiday show themed at, at some point, but very underrated, I think, is Disney's Hollywood Studios for the uh, the Christmas season. Yep. Well, now that I'm really sad, let's move on to your number two. Go ahead. Let's, let's, let's dig <laughs> the knife num- in deeper. <laughs> My number two... Um, and this is something that Don and I talked about um, off off air. We thought maybe a little bit of a cheat, but we went ahead with it anyways. Um, and this was um, Test Track 1.0. Um, I uh, and my wife, we are not fans of what we what was Test Track 2.0 when they had the major refurb. Um, several years ago at this point where it was almost the tronification of uh test track i I liked the hey you're in a vehicle you are testing this vehicle as if you are um a part of general motors um I, i the design aspect of um you know test track where you're on the screens which i'm sure won't be back for a really long time now um with the you know all the contact and touching that element is cool maybe the first couple times you do that afterwards i find it just annoying um but i always really like the you know you're on a proving ground and everything made sense because when they went from 1.0 to 2.0 it's the same track so when you're coming and uh on 1.0 in that first um sort of show scene where they're testing the anti-lock brake system. It makes sense. You feel it without anti-lock brakes and then right over you test it with anti-lock brakes in the next little um, part of the course. That's still there in 2.0, but there's no reason for it other than the fact that it's the same track. So I, I liked the original 1.0 um, way better than uh, 2.0. And I do believe that I was the one who brought up that exact attraction for that exact reason in the past. And you wonder why I said I wanted to go first. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do this one second, but I will just to stick with the whole idea of missing the former attraction before they did an overlay. So this time around, I'm going to go with Maelstrom. I... Ooh, okay. <laughs> I was I was waiting to see the reaction there because you know I could have said a million different things, but not that I don't like the the, the frozen attraction. There is is really fun. Frozen Ever After. It's it's you know obviously who doesn't love you know that's a great great movie, great artistry. The animatronics are top notch. Really really fun. Really really cool. But I miss my stinking trolls back back <laughs> over the falls. Come on, who can't miss that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it was, and it wasn't even like it was a bad attraction that got a cult following because Maelstrom, I thought was a, was a very good attraction in and of itself. It, more timeless. Um, you know, I, I, I think Frozen will be considered, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, one of the Disney classics. So I'm not as concerned Um but, you know, I, that, that rush to just jam IP into um, Epcot specifically. I, I like what they did with uh, Frozen Ever After. I think a lot of the scenes and the animatronics are amazing. Obviously, the music is, is just top notch. Um, but there are some scenes, it's kind of interesting, in Frozen Ever After where you're just going down like a long black hallway and there's nothing really to look at. 
you know, it's like a lot of the budget was spent on the animatronics and uh, let's toss a projection <laughs> here on the wall or just paint it black. Um, so uh, I do, I 100% think Maelstrom belongs on the list. I thought you were going somewhere else with it, but um, maybe that'll make it onto, uh, you know, when we revisit this topic. Again. And Maelstrom also, I don't want to say it was scarier, but trolls are inherently a little bit scarier than everyone's favorite sisters and and snowman and you know reindeer come on right no totally agree um so ready for my third always ready (laughs) now this one i I didn't want to be too specific so this is a kind of a general one because I think it incorporates a lot of different things. So I hope this isn't like Uber cheating and, and messes up with your list. Uber but... cheating. If you have to have a disclaimer that something's Uber cheating, I'm going to go with it <laughs> probably is. Well, we'll see. Mine would be, and once again, we're talking about Walt Disney world, the, um, and I'm just going to call it the umbrella term of parades that we have lost. Um, like I said, I, and I wrote out a lot of things that it does would incorporate things like, um, Disney stars and motor cars parade at Disney's Hollywood studios. I thought was an awesome parade. Um, even the jam and jungle parade that was at animal kingdom, you know, you look at tapestry of nations, things that are just really not here anymore. Um, I won't name Main Street Electrical Parade cause I'm really not a huge oh, fan of that parade. On. But I will name Spectra Magic because that is much better than Main Street. Oh, I enjoyed them both. Really? I I liked. I, I thought the music for Spectra Magic was better. Um, whenever you know, towards the end of its run with Main Street Electrical, if we were in Magic Kingdom and I saw it going by, I ended up being more annoyed <laughs> that it was there. Um, like it was something to deal with. Um, but I always really, really like Spectrum Magic. I thought, I, I think what also really killed it for me is when in 2015 we went, uh, killed it for me, meaning um, Main Street Electrical, when we went to Disneyland and saw Paint the Night. So when you see that and then you see um, Main Street Electrical, it, it looks like it was put together by, you know, some random town in Arkansas. Yeah, but not, how long ago you know, the Walt Disney that designed? Company. It's 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 had its uh, glowing away ceremony (laughs) many, many times. So um, I just I I was much more a fan of Spectrum Magic. I I still listen to the music of that um, and wish that they had done something to save those um, parade floats, because unfortunately, that is something that uh, we will never get back again. So my missed attractions is kind of, like I said, the umbrella term of just parades that we don't have. I think it's utterly criminal for Walt Disney's 50th anniversary that it looks like we will not be getting, um, even before COVID-19, not getting a nighttime parade at Magic Kingdom. And I think that is so criminal and such a shame. Well, when we went out to Disneyland, as you mentioned, that was for the 60th anniversary. So, yes. so they brought the, the Light the Night Parade there, and that was just, I mean, holy moly, that was stunning. I'm so glad that we got to see that in person, and I wish that that could come here. I read rumors, and this is all it is, but that it was something to do with um, the width of the floats and the width of Main Street USA here at Walt Disney World. I don't know if it's true or not. I also heard that was part of the problem. I also heard rumors that um, the weight of the floats would be too much on the utilidors um, underneath Magic Kingdom. So I thought that was uh, an interesting thing that I had heard as I well. mean, I, I did hear that. I didn't give much credence to it simply because I've been on Main Street USA on uh, New Year's Eve when you think you're going to die because you are suffocated by bodies <laughs> around you. That'll be for another show. In any case, I can't imagine that that number of people packed down Main Street USA would not weigh more than than one of those floats. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's something to say. So what is your third and final for uh, this opening segment? We're rolling, we're rolling on the express. <laughs> we're rolling on rolling on Mickey's birthday land express. We're going off to Mickey. 
Mickey's birthday land. No? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Think... Nothing? <laughs> I don't. You're just I, utterly I, shocked by what make... just came out of my mouth? I mean, what just happened? Well, I love when people randomly sing like that. But um, I, I don't think I ever, once you got to Mickey's birthday land, I think I knew what you were talking about. I don't know if I ever saw that. Because I don't know when that went away um, or, or when that was torn down. I may not have actually – I'll do a quick search while you talk about that. But I don't actually ever remember seeing that. Welcome to Duckburg. Population, billions, and still growing. <laughs> Mickey's Toontown. Come on now. So Mickey's Toontown was a really, really fun area in the Magic Kingdom where – the current new fantasy land area sits and that area was just like a cute little village it was all the little the little homes cottages everyone would say of a bunch of the characters you could go in you could see Minnie sitting at her table i mean it was the cutest stinking thing in the face of the planet i will say that um i don't have super vivid memories of it i do have some memories of seeing it but when I think about going to Disneyland, the number of times that I've been there and seeing their Toontown, I cannot help but think how cool that would be for little ones. I mean, I, I always have to look in that lens of a parent and my kid would lose his gourd seeing that. It would be similar to the Sesame Street area built by SeaWorld here recently. And he's just in love with that area of the park. He loves going to see the characters, you know, things like that. Um, so Toon Toontown is going to make my, my list. Yeah, I was doing some research while you were talking, and I think Toontown closed down. It was a lot later than I thought, around uh, 2011. Um, I think I just never got into it. We didn't really visit because it's definitely not something memorable to me. Um, our first visit there was in 98, so I want to say I was maybe around 12 or so. Um, and at that age, I just wasn't a real big character person like the mickeys and you know donald's and things like that like i was way more interested in i want to go see space mountain tower of terror and things like that so it's just not i don't have that emotional connection well to be fair mickey's birthday land was only there from 1988 until um 1990 so we would have only been two to four at that point so i don't have a vivid memory at all of mickey's birthday land uh but there's great pictures of me at my first on my first visit when i was three and uh that song will forever be etched into my pea brain from the train <laughs> i'm sure you look awesome in that picture as well always so i think think it was a good discussion we will um take a short break and then and we are back with this week's social fatty segment where we are taking a trip to Epcot. Uh, Don and I will pick our favorite quick service and table service restaurant from Walt Disney World's second theme park. Uh, Donna, go ahead. Do you want to start with uh, quick service? Sure. So I think the first thing that I'm going to say, just as a little aside very quickly, my Favorite type dining at Epcot is probably snacking around the booths during festivals. So let's just start there. So snacking, social fattying around World Showcase, <laughs> kind of my jam. <laughs> From there, if we had to pick a true quick service meal, we used to really enjoy Electric Umbrella, which unfortunately is no more. They had an amazing, it was a nice piece of grilled chicken, and it had some prosciutto and mozzarella, and it was just delicious. Really, really good. A little bit, slightly tiny, anybody a little bit more on the healthy side <laughs> than some, some chicken strips or, or burgers. Um, really enjoyed that. But RIP Electric Umbrella. So I'll go um, one of Jamie's picks from a, a past um, episode, Kitsora Grill. This is one of those kind of, I don't want to say hidden, but it's not, you know, boom in your face locations. Uh, as you walk around World Showcase, it is good, good, good food. It's not too heavy. Sometimes Asian style food, I think, can just be a little bit heavy, a little bit sauce or, or spice or, or, or whatever the case may be. I've never had a bad meal there. It's always been something I've enjoyed. And I know that um, Jamie and his wife enjoy it, too. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that would probably be my number one, um, but I will pick um, something different. But I mean, Katsura Grill is just awesome. Food is great. The um, area that you eat in is so pretty, uh, whether you're at night, during the day, they even bring out the um, uh, fire sticks. I don't even know what those things are called. Heating elements would probably fire be a... Heating, it's it's late. Heating elements is probably more realistic of a term. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm going to trademark fire sticks because I think that's what they should be called. Um, so I, I can hear, hear Val already talking about me. Um, now, uh, it's just such a pretty area. You got the little pond there. Food is great. Um, so Katsura Grill would probably be my top pick. Um, but just something uh, different from what uh, Donna had said is I would go a with the fire next... stickless location. <laughs> yeah, which automatically brings it down because there's not a fire stick there. Um, I would go with uh, La Cantina de San Angel, uh, the Mexican quick service. Um, you can have food, uh, eat your food right up next to the um, World Shake- Showcase Lagoon. Um, I usually get. Uh, chicken tacos i want to say um has rice and and pickled onions that i usually pick off but um really good uh food and it's just enjoyable i usually get um some type of drink with it probably um some type of margarita usually comes with it with the uh, because typically speaking we use the dining plan um so that's why we usually get the uh the alcoholic beverages there just to Make sure we get our value out of everything. But the um, Mexican quick service, there's so much in Epcot. I mean, we could do a whole show on places to eat at Epcot and hit um, probably every pavilion, mm-hmm. maybe except Germany, because I'm just not a real fan of that <laughs> that kind of food. But um, and, and Donna had said electric umbrella as well. That's that was um, a place we enjoyed as well. Um, I went with the. Uh, was it like the roast beef with the cheese yep. that they had there? Um, Didn't they call I it a cheesesteak? It was pretty cute. I don't think they did. It, they It's some other, because I would never get a, a cheesesteak if they called it that. <laughs> I almost want to say it was like a roast beef. I don't even know if it was beef. I'll have to look that up. But it was some type of um, sandwich with almost like a cheese whiz on it that... Um, you know, was was really really good. So but they don't have um, fire sticks either. Yeah, no, and they're un they're stickless. So what what would be your um, choice for, for table service? Oh gosh! So interestingly enough, I would actually bet a small to medium, potentially large sum of money that you and I would say the same two things if we listed our top two um, at Epcot. So I'm going to roll the dice here and say that um, instead of saying Garden Grill, because I've already talked about Garden Grill and I'm pretty confident that you'll talk about them if I don't, I will go via Napoli instead. Via Napoli is located over obviously, in the Italian Pavilion um, over in uh, Epcot's World Showcase, they have the best pizza. Flatbread, nice, thin, um, Napoleon-style crust. The starter dough was actually from Naples, which I think is ridiculously cool. Um, The very little bit that I know about making pizza and making dough, it all started from, from, you know, one starter uh, chunk of of dough and making the... the, um, hello what is that called the dough the crust crust <laughs> fire they the cook fire it on a fire stick. stick it's cooked over the fire stick now it's cooked in one of these three gigantically cool marbly busty faces and the face that i'm making right now with my hand right next to it you can all picture <laughs> they put the flatbread pizza right in Phenomenal, phenomenal food. And it's also one of my picks for um, if folks who use a dining plan have um, a day where they wouldn't have that that table service credit to use because of whatever reason. I actually suggest Viennapoli is a great out-of-pocket choice because if you're all choosing the same type of pizza, the Quattro Formaggio is out of this world. It's really um, an affordable choice as well. No, I agree. Quattro Formaggio is just amazing. 
I made the mistake one time of getting pepperoni and then I ate most of my wife's quattro formaggio, even though pepperoni was very, um, very good in and of itself. Um, Donna, I am surprised you did uh, skip over our favorite drink at Via Napoli. Okay, it was my favorite until they upped the price. Like, what, they doubled it? It, it did go up in price. It went, it seemed to double in price, and then we got half of it dumped on the floor by our waiter the last time we were there. <laughs> um, but that is the sangria, and you can actually get a picture of it. It's, it is very, very tasty. Um, one thing that I did want to mention, though, Donna, just a hair of a knock on Via Napoli that I noticed the last time we ate. Um, and I think we ate there together, actually, um, was on when I how noisy it was. Um, so that's just, like I said, just a hair little knock on it um, that, you know, and just something to be prepared for that. It, it You know, we were in the height of of dinner rush, but I guess how that restaurant is built. It's like sound echoes and echoes and echoes. And it just got very, very loud. I would agree. And that's one thing. My kiddo doesn't really mind dark. My, my kiddo doesn't really mind new places or things like that. But he is, I don't want to say sensitive, but loud noises, prolonged loud noises can, can really start to wear on him. And there was one time, gosh, now probably a year and a half ago that we met friends there from out of town. And we sat at that big, long table in the middle, that big, giant, long table mm -hmm. in the middle. Um, and he just, he was fussing the whole time. And I really, truly believe it was because it was so, so loud sitting there. So we've taken to um, sitting outside, asking to sit outside there. Um, it's a little bit more calm. It's a beautiful little courtyard and the, the noise isn't really a factor. Yeah. And you know, while you were talking about different locations in that restaurant, even if you're, you know, if you're in the back of the restaurant facing out that side, that's almost on the left where it's almost like a, a secondary hallway. Um, I think that we've eaten there before and that was much quieter as well. So just, just some things to, to be aware of. Um, so if I went with my choice, um, I totally agree with being Napoli and there's so many good restaurants at, at Epcot. You're not about um, to let me down, are you? Cause I, I hear a lot of prefacing here. <laughs> No, I will be going with Garden Grill. Thank you. Um, you know, to give something different. Uh, I totally agree with Via Napoli. Um, I think you can make a case for a ton of different restaurants at, at Epcot specifically. Um, but if you're something, want something that's maybe a little bit safer, maybe you don't have as adventurous um, a palate yourself, or, um, you know, people in your family just want something a little bit more um, homey, I guess you could say garden grill meal is awesome. It's an awesome concept of a restaurant in that you're on a platform. It rotates through different show scenes. You get to see um, two, three of the scenes, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is from uh, the Living with the Land boat ride, which I voted as the most underrated um, Epcot attraction. Um, food is awesome. Great use of the dining plan. Um, it's an all you can, all you care to eat, um, which when you're a social fatty, it's all you can eat. Um, and, and it's not like a buffet where you have to go up and get something. You do have a server that brings you food and, you know, you can say, I want more mashed potatoes or more mac and cheese, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, you know, whatever meat or fish or whatever they have. Um, oh, well. Jane, they haven't had the fish in a couple of years. And that was going to be my slight interjection. Oh. Yeah, that was going to be my just my slight little not again, not to use the word knock, but it, it, that's what's stuck in my head, because that's what we use when we talk about the Annapolis. I love the fish that they used to serve at Garden Grill. Uh, that is has as of the last probably about two and a half to three years that fish is no longer on the menu. It's not served as part of that that portion. Wow, I didn't realize that was a permanent um that's a shame because all they got to do is go downstairs on the boat and grab some out of the tank. I mean, you say but, that in jest, but you're not totally wrong. No, it's grown for that. But yeah, it, it's, um, it's interesting. Oh, and one quick side note, I did forget to mention this. Um, Electric Umbrella, that sandwich that we were talking about, they called a brisket sandwich with beer cheese. Hmm. So not the cheesesteak, but uh, no good nonetheless. Epcot it's hard to go wrong. Um, you know, maybe in the future, Donna, we revisit maybe places to stay away from. And that would be a hard, hard um, 
topic to get some good picks for things to stay away from um, Epcot dining. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm, I'm all for that. And then we can also talk about festivals. I mean, when we talk about Epcot and food, it literally never ends. Social fatties. Yeah, that's how you do it. So sounds good. We will take a quick break and then come back with our final segment where we will be talking about overrated attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Hi, everybody. Donna and I are both authorized Disney vacation planners. When planning your next Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney Vacation, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We have a wealth of experience and knowledge to help plan your next magical vacation. Best of all, our services are at no cost to you. Please reach out to us at Donna, D-O-N-N-A, at Pixie, P-I-X-I-E, vacations.com, or Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at pixievacations.com. We would be happy to help plan your next magical vacation. And we are back for our final segment in today's show, Overrated Attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Donna, what do you have for us? So last week when we talked about underrated, you told me off air that you kind of struggled with that one. That's sort of the way I feel with this one. So again, when we say overrated attractions, we're not saying the attraction is not cool. Well, I kind of am in this case, but in general, we're not saying it isn't cool or fun or good. What we're saying is that for the wait time, we don't think it's necessarily worth it, right? Yes, I agree with that for one of mine. My other one will slightly, I'll explain, but go ahead. Fair enough. So thinking through the attractions at Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, there are a lot of really cool ones. A lot of ones that, you know, queue up a big weight. A few that don't keep a big weight that are still really fun. But the one attraction, and please, if Laura's listening, don't hate me. The one attraction that I just can't get behind, and I enjoy theater shows, is the, the Finding Nemo show. It does nothing for me. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, the actors, the cast members are holding like these big giant weird looking puppets and talking and singing and mouthing for the puppets but it, just, it doesn't do it for me I know it's ridiculously popular I know that you know I have some clients who you know oh it's the best show on Disney property okay cool whatever floats your boat but holy schmoly not mine wow I did not expect that I'm a little bit floored I actually really like Finding Nemo the musical um, I, I personally think the music is great. I love that they wrote the song specifically for that attraction. Um, I'm a little bit blown away, Donna. I did not expect that. Um, you know my attention span. A 45-minute show? Come on. It, you know what? I will say that. It is a lengthier show, 100% correct. Um, a lot, for some reason, ironically, it always feels like we go there the day that we fly out and we always take the first flight out of Philadelphia. So our flight leaves at like 545 in the morning. So we're up at like three. So there's some scenes I probably have a nap for. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I actually really like the show. You know, I think Big Blue World, um, the song with Crush. Uh, go with the flow I, I think are, are, are pretty good songs so I'm very surprised I wonder if I'm going to surprise you with um, mine did you have anything else you wanted to add or trash out Finding Nemo over oh my gosh so oh, again and, and that's okay it's okay that we we have different opinions on this I mean if we agreed on everything this would be one boring podcast to listen to so uh, again mm -hmm. I would not offend anyone with this choice um, but to me that's the one the one attraction experience, whatever you want to call it, at Animal Kingdom that I just don't get waiting for. Yeah, no, I, I and every time the other thing about speaking of waiting for that is that area gets so congested, um, mm -hmm. especially when they have stroller parking across the way and you have people trying to get to the bridge to go to Expedition Everest, and it's a very very tight walkway um, for that area. So. Um, and people do wait a long time for that show, which seems crazy to me because they do like six shows a day. Um, but 
yeah, that no, I, I agree. People do can certainly wait for that show, and and definitely, um, we'll talk about fast pass strategies, but not something that I think needs to be in your original three. Um, so I am going to take and cheat a little bit and do two overrated attractions. Um, one of which I really like, one of which you have to make fun of me to get me on it. <laughs> the, the one that I really, I do enjoy that I think is overrated is Kali River Rapids. My reasoning for saying it's overrated is it can be a long wait. Um, I think the queue itself is pretty bad for the first half and pretty awesome for the second half. Um, I, I think the the little rope that they have through some of the queue dividing fast pass and standby is um, just really kind of cheap looking and you can definitely tell it was built before fast pass. Um, but as far as uh, the actual ride, it just seems so incredibly short. You have the you know the big drop, which is awesome, and then it feels like twenty seconds later it's over. Um, so I think that's a big part of why I feel it's overrated. It can easily get forty five, fifty, sixty minute plus wait times, and I just don't think it's a high value as far as attraction time. Um, when I look at that? an attraction wait time, I look at two things. Number one, I look at how long is the attraction. So that leads into what you said. I just did a quick Google search, Cali River Rapids duration, five minutes. So not, we're not talking about a 30-second Peter Pan flight here. We're not talking about a three-minute Expedition Everest or a 22-minute Kilimanjaro Safaris. Yeah, the, the one thing that I would say about that is when the clock actually starts, because my guess would be, 25 to 30% of that five minutes is just going up that lift hill. Oh, I can't do that at all. That takes forever. And the other thing I always, I never get wet on this attraction. Never. Somehow, um, Val always ends up drenched. So I don't know whether it says more about me or her or whatever, but it never happens to me i think the cool little elephants that people can spray people with at the end is a nice little touch but i just think it's a long wait for not a huge um payoff like i said i do like it yeah so Um, that's my number one with 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 a fast with a a line in general wait in general how long's the ride and the other thing is where the fast pass cuts in if it's worth the fast pass or not so that's always my other thing like slash mountain one of those 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 attractions where you cut the majority of the line and you pop out. Space Mountain, eh, you still wait quite a bit after you you merge with the with the fast pass. So I don't know. Always kind of interesting to think about. But Cali River Rapids definitely one of those attractions where um, I enjoy it enough when I do it. But like your wife, I seem to always collect the um, very very clean uh, Florida water um, <laughs> and. I end up having to change. So when we plan to, we plan to do it and we bring a change of clothes. Yeah. And the one thing I do really like about that is they will give you a free locker um, outside of, of Kali um, because they used to have it where everybody would, they'd ha- have the uh, uh, almost like a cavity inside of the raft where people put, you know, all this expensive, you know, video recording equipment or bags or whatever nonsense that they had with them. Um, And that took up so much time. And there's, you know, that rotating platform, if people aren't seated and buckled in, in that time, that's going to stop the ride. So I'm glad they took that out and and said, you know, we're going to give people lockers. Um, like I said, I do like it. I like I even like the kind of storyline with the loggers and the um, uh, deforestation, kind of that eco-friendly type of message that um, Animal Kingdom has throughout the entire theme park. But as far as length of the attraction, it, it's it's not worth the um, the long queue queue lines. Now, my number two, highly overrated, one that I don't like to go on. Because I don't do spinny things. 
primeval world. More Jamie. like prime, primeval hurl. I despise looking at this attraction. I don't like, you know, seeing it, walking past it. It would it, it wouldn't be as bad if they did like a wild mouse type of attraction. I just feel like the extra spinning, which I don't like, is just so unnecessary. <laughs> um, you know, I know a lot of people rip on Dino Land as far as theming, and they say it's not themed, which actually isn't true. They just, there's a big backstory that people don't really get. Um, and as far as Dino Land itself, I think it is well themed. It may not be a good theme or a good choice of theme, but it's themed. Um, and, and I feel like the whole Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama with, um, you know, kind of the tacky off-the-shelf type of ride systems and the carnival games is just that a little tacky for a Disney theme park. But, um, I mean, easily Primeval World, you could see 35, 40, 50 minutes. Um and that's a terrible queue. I always, anytime I'm in there, even, and I've never waited in standby, I don't think. Um, even being in there, uh, it's just hot. I always notice that too. I always feel hot and stuffy um, in that in that queue. Not like most of Animal Kingdom because it's the center <laughs> of the earth. Um, but, you know, I, I just do not like that attraction. I can do it once because I also have like a, a motion sicknessy spinny thing. I can do it once. Uh, we had an opportunity to go to a DVC event a couple years back with um, a few friends, and um, they had never been to Disney's Animal Kingdom before. And we were just plowing through doing all these attractions, and no one was in line for you know Primeval World. So we uh, we rode it, and we got to the end, and the cast member said, "Hey, s- stay seated if you want to ride it again." And I start to get up, and our friend Aaron leans across Andrew and like slams me back down in the seat, <laughs> and we did it a second time, and. During that second time, Aaron got told that unless he wanted to wear everything I had eaten previous to getting on that ride, that we were done after two. Oh, I couldn't imagine doing that back to back. Like, I don't mind the drops, you know, even the the stupid stupid little cardboard dinosaurs that they have don't bother me. It's when you get into that, you know, last third of the ride where they start the, you know, the spinning. You find it so unnecessary. Like the teacups <laughs> at Magic Kingdom. Like, I don't even like going by that area. So, but yeah, that would be my two picks for overrated attractions. All right. We hope that we didn't make anyone too angry with our list of overrated attractions. Remember, just because we're saying they're overrated doesn't mean they aren't still great attractions. Jamie will, in fact, go on Primeval World if bullied into doing so. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode even a tiny bit as much as we enjoyed recording it. As always, if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to hear us discuss in the future, please feel free to send us a message on our Facebook page, The Circus 71 Podcast. And remember, in addition to Anchor, we are also available on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, with the cherry on top, subscribe there and leave us a review. Next week, we'll play some fun Disney trivia, move our social fatigue discussion to Disney's Animal Kingdom, and cover our picks for underrated attractions at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Have a great week. We'll see you real soon.